Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What's up, everybody? Good morning. Welcome into the Philly Sports Power Hour with your man, Bill Calarulo. And I've been singing all night. Clap your hands, everybody. Philadelphia, 76ers. Big win for the Sixers last night. Big win. I know it's still only early in the season. We're only six games in. But, man, you got to like this team. Excuse me. Seven games in. Seven games in, Sixers sitting here at six and one with six straight wins, baby. Loving it. Loving it. We're going to talk about the Sixers today. We got to talk about our fighting Phils again. Some big news coming out of the Phillies. Is Nick Castellanos getting traded this offseason? We got to talk about that. Also, they made the announcement about Harper staying at first. So we're going to talk about Reese Hoskins, what that means for him. And then we'll take a look at the Philadelphia Eagles through the first nine weeks of this season. And I want to compare them to the team through the first nine weeks of last season. So we got a good show today. Unfortunately, no Mark Farzetta today. Farzetta usually joins us on Thursdays. He has a prior engagement today, but he will be joining us tomorrow. So we'll do a little Fridays with Farzetta instead of Thursdays with Farzetta. Well, let me see who I got here today. Where's my Power Hour crew already checking in in the chat? Love when you guys engage in the chat. We got the fact checker in the house. Wine Niners wine every single day. Death taxes and Wine Niners wine at the Power Hour. Love it, man. A killer ferret. Good morning. Vince Engelking. Good morning to you. How about them Sixers is right. Decoy Gaming. What's up, my brother? Wine Niners Wine, once the group chat gets bigger, how many people would think Wentz is the biggest bust in Eagles history if he was a drunk instead of a Bible banger? Ooh, Wine Niners Wine going right after it to start the day. Right after it. Transistor Zen, good morning. Peter Doty, good morning to you. Steve Patton, what's up, my brother? Steve Ike, Jim G, Bobby Murphy. Who else we got here today? Carlos Drew, Steve Patton, Antoine Hopkins. Good morning to everybody. Jason A-Team, how about our Sixers? We're representing today, and we're definitely going to talk about those Sixers. So like I said, guys, we'll get into the Phillies. Big news for the Phillies. But let's start with the biggest news of the day, and that's this 76ers team. And Look, I'm going to try not to get carried away. I know it's still early, but sitting there watching that game is just so enjoyable. It's so nice to watch a team, number one, that's well-coached because we've had our complaints about Doc Rivers for years now. And I said it to Kayla Santiago yesterday, and God forbid you ever questioned Doc Rivers after the game about decisions he made, man. God forbid, not the great Doc Rivers. 
And now we're seeing what a good coach can actually do for a basketball team. Nick Nurse has this team playing some great basketball. They almost gave it away at the end. They made it harder than it had to be at the end. Thankfully, Przingis missed that three that would have tied it. But they played some really good basketball. And I see the fact checker in the chat saying it showed just how bad Doc was. And Jim G saying, well coached, what a concept. Transistor Zen, Nick Nurse is an amazing coach. He's unlocked the Sixers. He really has. Listen, it's definitely another year of growth for Tyrese Maxey. He's not the same player he was last year. We've seen improvement every year, and it looks like he's taken another step forward. But you are right. Nick Nurse has this team playing really good basketball on both sides, offense and defense. I heard a stat today. Sixers are the third-ranked offense in the NBA. They have the fifth-ranked defense in the NBA. They lead the NBA in fast break points. They lead the NBA in blocks. They're just playing really good, man, really good. And the fact checker taking the words out of my mouth, he's making Tobias look good. Tobias Harris has been a nice piece on this team. But a huge win last night against the Boston Celtics. 106-103. Like I said, it didn't have to be that hard at the end. They almost gave it away. And I don't want to get distracted by the way the game ended because they really played four good quarters of basketball last night. They really did. You look at Joel Embiid, what this guy can do on the basketball court is just so impressive. And I know we have our problems with him not being able to get these big games when he needs them in the playoffs. But he puts up 27 points, 10 rebounds, four blocks, four assists. And then you got Tyrese Maxey, 25 points, nine rebounds, five assists. Embiid and Maxey combined for 52 points and 19 boards last night. Just great basketball. Love watching it. And Maxey, man, he is so fast on that court. So fast on that court. At times, I don't want to compare him. He's not on AI's level. But at times, when you see Maxi, how fast he is, taking it to the basket, at times, it gives you a little bit reminiscent about AI and the AI days, man. Man, I loved AI. I see more people checking in in the chat. Twiz, good morning. MC, what is up? The blonde boy in the house. The blonde boy, Nick Nurse, won us our ring. I forgot, is the blonde boy, is he a Cowboys fan? Is that our Cowboys fan in the chat, the blonde boy? Remind me, were you the Cowboys fan that was here last week talking smack? Brian Davis, good morning, man. I appreciate the kind words. Let's see what Transistor Zen's saying. Got to admit, it looked like a Doc Rivers team blowing a huge lead in the last three minutes. But we still won, so I can overlook it. For the most part, blown leads haven't been happening this year. You're right. You're right, Transistor. It did look like a little bit of the old Sixers under Doc Rivers that they were about to blow that lead. But they didn't. They did what they had to do. And my apologies to Blonde Boy. He's Canadian. Biggest Eagles fan. Sorry, man. Sorry. Not sure there's a worse insult to somebody than calling them a Cowboys fan. So I apologize 
So he's our Canadian brethren, but he is an Eagles fan. So you're welcome here, my friend. You are welcome here. But let's take a look, too. One of the things that I found most impressive last night was they held Jason Tatum to only 16 points. That was huge. We've seen Tatum have the ability to go off. So that was really big. But I just, I was saying this to myself last night as I was watching the game. Not only is it enjoyable to watch this team because of how well coached they are with Nick Nurse, you like all the guys on this team. How many of you struggled last season with wanting to love the Sixers and James Harden, but just not having it in you to really fall in love with James Harden? He just didn't have that type of personality. You've seen what he's done to other teams. You knew who he was when he got here. So as much as you wanted to get behind the beard and you wanted to fall in love with the Sixers, I found it hard. I found it really hard to want to root for James Harden. You don't have that on this team. Every player on this team I want to root for, man. I love Kelly Oubre. I'm pulling for Tobias Harris. B-ball Paul. Paul Reed. You want to see him do well. Pat Bev. Like, this team has a lot of personalities where you want to see them succeed. It's like our Phillies, man. What did we love about the fight in Phils? They had so many good personalities that you fell in love with that team. And now you have the similar thing going on with the Sixers. You want these guys to play well. Nick Batum. Fingers all messed up today. Tapes it up, comes back out. But they just have all of these personalities. Tyrese Maxey, man, that smile is infectious that he has on the court at all times. This is a likable basketball team. And that's not something that we've had in this town for quite some time. Because I see people in the chat saying, Twiz, most people didn't want Harden here to begin with. And he was tough to like. And before you had Harden, we had Ben Simmons. Was he likable? Did he really relate to this town and this city? The guy who you could tell just wanted to be in L.A. the moment he had the opportunity? This, this Sixers team, they are fun to watch. They are a likable team. They are a team that this city, if they keep winning, can really get behind and fall in love with. And I see Philly 007. They have a good mix of two-way players, shooters, and the MVP in beat. It's exactly right, man. Look, Just look at this lineup. Kelly Oubre, 14 points last night. Tobias, 17 points. I told you about Embiid and Maxi combining for 52. Really, the only starter who struggled last night was DeAnthony Melton. He only had three points, but what was more alarming was he went one of nine from the field and one of seven from beyond the arc. You need more from DeAnthony Melton, but hey, they got away with it last night. The team really didn't shoot the three ball well last night, but thankfully, either did the Celtics. Sixers go 9 of 34 from beyond the arc for 26.5%. Celtics threw up 47 threes last night, made 15 of them for only 31.9%. Could have been a different game if the Celtics were hitting the three ball, but still not a bad... Not a bad outing for the Sixers defense, holding the players to, what, 103. Holding the Celtics team to 103 is not bad, especially when you have Jason Tatum only putting up 16. 
but I talked about how likable these guys are. You look at the bench, man. You got Batum coming off the bench. You got Robert Covington coming off the bench. I know these guys are getting up there in years. They got them in this trade because they have expiring contracts. But they're giving it your all out there, man. That's what we want in this city. That's what we want. You see Covington playing defense. Pat Bev coming up with a big basket there. So, and B-ball Paul. Love Paul Reed. Really happy they were able to bring him back. There was a time in the second quarter where the lineup on the court was Reed, Maxi, Batum, Harris, and Ubre. And they were playing well. They were playing well. You know, when you have this kind of depth on your basketball team, it goes a long way. And like I said, this team is likable. This team is likable. And I see one person in the chat, Transistor Zen, raised in his hand when I said, how many of you found it hard to like James Harden? Let me see what else we got going on in the chat. Love when you guys engage. Wine Niners Wine looking to talk some fly guys. Yeah, Morgan Frost was benched again, but we'll talk them a little flyers maybe next week. They got two West Coast games Friday and Saturday. Actually, do they play tonight? I think they play tonight, the fly guys, on the West Coast. Philly 007. I still think we need another playmaker or maybe a Zach Levine, but it's still early. Let this play out. Yeah, 007, I agree with you, but if they can keep winning games, and we talked about this with Kayla Santiago yesterday, and I've said this before, the best part is if they can keep winning games, they have the assets and the cap space that if a player becomes available at the trade deadline, they can make a move. We finally have the flexibility to be able to make a move, and that's a beautiful thing, man. A beautiful thing. Not only is this team fun to watch with likable personalities, with a lot of depth and good coaching, they have the flexibility to make a move as the trade deadline approaches if a star becomes available. So a lot of hope right now in Philadelphia for this Sixers team. What else we got going on? Jason A. Team never wanted Harden in the first place. He's a disgrace. And that's what I mean. You're proving my point, Jason 18. It's exactly what I'm talking about, man, is it was hard to really get behind this Sixers team last year because they weren't that likable when you have James Harden as one of your stars. They got a lot of likable people, man. A lot of likable people. Jim G, Sixers are making themselves look good for players to want to play here. Spot on, Jim G. Great point, man. Great point. Because you're seeing it over the last few years. The NBA has become players really get to choose where they want to go. It's no longer the days of old where you play where you're sent. These players, if they don't want to go somewhere, they are not going somewhere. So the fact that this Sixers team is winning games and looking like they have a really solid product on the court, you're going to get a star that maybe wants to come here now to be paired up with Maxi and Embiid. So, great point, Jim G. Great point. I'm awake, are you? Good morning. Good to see you, man. And I see Wine Niners wine in the chat. I know Bill wants to hockey talk, but the Flyers stink. I'm determined to rope him in. 
Dude, I would love to talk Flyers, man. I really would. I love the Flyers, but they are very tough, man. <laughs> they are a tough thing to talk about right now, especially when you got all these other good things going on in the city. We got the Sixers playing well. We got our Eagles at 8-1. and one. We got our Phillies just coming off another NLCS appearance, and there's talks of trades happening. We'll talk about that shortly. So it is tough to bring in the Flyers right now, but I'll get there. We will talk some fly guys. I promise you on the power hour, we will talk some fly guys. And I pray for the day when we can come on the power hour and be talking about a Flyers playoff game, because there is nothing better than the NHL playoffs when the Flyers are relevant. But we may be waiting a while. This show may have to be around for a couple of years for us to finally be able to do that. So seeing some more Sixers talk in the chat. But, guys, we, I said to you that at times Maxi just brings me back to the AI, and I'm not comparing him to AI. He's not on his level. But some of the things he did last night when he takes it to the hole with his speed and being able to finish just had me reminiscent of when AI was here. And that was such a fun Sixers team, 2001. I went to so many games that year. It's a shame they ran into that Lakers team. What a good Lakers team that was in the NBA Finals. And the Sixers got them in game one. That's the Tyrone Lou stepover game in game one. But that team was unbelievable, that Lakers squad with Kobe Bryant, Shaq. Unbelievable team. Unbelievable team. But let's switch gears for a little bit, guys. We got to talk a little bit of Phillies here because big news coming out. First off, it looks like Dave Dombrowski has informed Bryce Harper that he will remain at first base. That's huge. That is huge news because that has a massive ripple effect throughout the lineup. Because if Bryce Harper stays at first, probably not a spot on this team for Reese Hoskins. And we talked a little bit about it yesterday. I asked you guys what you would do if you would bring Reese back. And we were kind of mixed in the chat. Looked like a lot of people did want to bring Reese back. But with Bryce Harper playing first base, I don't see a spot for Reese Hoskins on this team. Fact checker says it. Reese is out. I think he has to be. I don't know how you bring Reese Hoskins back. He wouldn't be an everyday player. The infield's set. The infield is set. Bryce Harper is your first baseman. Bryson Stott is your second baseman. Trey Turner's your shortstop. Alec Bohm's your third baseman. And the DH is set as Kyle Schwarber. They like Schwarber in that DH spot. There's nowhere for Reese Hoskins to play. And if I'm Reese Hoskins, if I hit the free agent market and I don't get a big offer from another team, I still wouldn't want to come to a team like the Phillies where I'm not going to be an everyday player and have the ability to prove myself to get the big contract. So if he's going to settle for maybe a one-year deal somewhere, it's going to be on a team where he can play every day so he can prove himself to get that big contract because it's not going to happen on this Phillies team. They just have their infield set. So... Unfortunately, I think we've seen the last of Reese Hoskins. Small window, small chance they could bring him back. 
if there's really no market for him in free agency. But I think a team would swoop in and sign Reese. He's got a bat that you could put into a lineup. There's not many lineups as deep as the Philadelphia Phillies. So there's a lot of teams out there that could use a bat like Hoskins. But what do you guys think? You think there's any chance, any chance that the Phillies can get Reese Hoskins back on this team? I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. And uh, I'm awake, are you, says Mr. Error. Who are you talking about? Who's Mr. Error? You talking about Trey? I'm awake. Who are you referring to as, as Mr. Error? Let me know. And I see the blonde boy jumping back to what I was talking about with the Sixers saying Kobe and Shaq were unstoppable. That was an unstoppable team. And the Sixers left it all on the court in that game one to win that game. And we'll all have that picture of AI stepping over Lou forever. What a memory that is. I see Bridget Tobin in the chat. Good morning to you. Good to see you. For those that don't know, that's my fiance, so she's checking in. Good to see you. I'm awake, are you? Oh, he was referring to Reese Hoskins as Mr. Error. Yeah. Yeah, so, and he's not going to be your DH. You have Schwarber on this team. So, you're not going to be able to bring back Reese as your DH. Fact checker, we'll get there. I see you asking about pitchers, but let's talk about the other big news. I told you the infield is set, but the one thing that is not set is this outfield. Even before the news came out that the Phillies are considering trading Reese Hosk, or excuse me, Nick Castellanos, there were still some question marks in that outfield because I don't think Rojas is guaranteed to get that center field position. Milo, I appreciate that, man. Appreciate the nice comment. Great show. Thank you. Appreciate you being here, man. But I don't think that Rojas, they've even said as such, Dombrowski, that it's not guaranteed that they're going to give him that center field position. So what does that mean for your outfield? Do you move Brandon Marsh over to the center field position? Well, now you got a left field spot open. But if you trade Castellanos, now you got right field open. So what are they going to do? What, what, what moves could they make? So you trade Nick Castellanos. That takes about $20 million a year off the books. You still got to replace him. So if you lose Reese Hoskins, and now you're letting Nick Castellanos go, who are you replacing those guys with in that lineup? So I'm looking at the best right fielder free agents available. So if they were let Castellanos walk, I think the top right fielder that maybe they could bring in would be Jorge Soler who played for the Marlins this past season, won two MV, excuse me, won two World Series with the Cubs and the Braves and was the World Series MVP in 2021. But that guy's got a lot of power. And then you have Hernandez, 2021 All-Star, played for the Astros, the Blue Jays, the Mariners. I mean, those guys are both free agents. They both bring some power to your lineup if you're able to sign them. But I see Barbara Carroll saying trade Casty for what? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure a team would want Castellanos, Babs, because you look at his numbers on the surface 
and he had a decent year. He hit 29 home runs. He had over 100 RBIs. So a lot of teams are looking at that saying, oh, okay, love to add a close to 30 home run, 100 RBI guy to our lineup. But when you dig deeper and you watch every game like we did in the playoffs, in the postseason, Castellanos leaves a lot to be desired at times. He was in the bottom 2% for chase percentage in Major League Baseball. He was in the bottom 5% for whiff percentage. And we all remember how he ended the National League Championship Series. 0 for 23. 0 for 23. Struck out 11 times. And he chased more than 50% of the pitches out of the zone. He was frustrating. And we know he gets streaky. Castellanos gets hot, man. He gets hot. And we saw that in the postseason. But are the Phillies finally over such hot and cold from Casti? Do they want someone who's a little bit more reliable, a little bit more consistent? But, and I see the real zeal saying, his contract makes him untradeable. You may be right, but I do think there's teams that would make a move. But look, even though I'm giving you all these stats about how hot and cold Castellanos could be, how he chases balls out of the strike zone, how he went 0 for 23 in the NLCS, I wouldn't trade Castellanos. I would not trade him. I still think he adds a lot of pop to this lineup. And I'm not sure by trading him how your team gets better. I don't understand. Especially with the outfield still not fully decided. So now if you're saying Rojas isn't your guy at center, potentially, and you get rid of Castellanos, well, now we need to figure out two outfielders on this team. I'd much rather move Marsh to center field keep Castellanos at right field, and then let's make a move and bring in a stud at left. But we'll see who becomes available. It's still early in the offseason. I'm sure there's players that would be available via trade and all that. And then the question becomes, and I see you guys in the chat talking about Aaron Nola. Well, the reports are that Aaron Nola is looking for a contract upwards of $30 million a year for seven years, which will put him over $200 million. I don't think the Phillies are going to do that. I don't think they're going to do it. And we talked about it earlier in the week, how much we wanted the Phillies to bring back Aaron Nola. I would like them to bring back Aaron Nola. You need two aces in this league when you hit the postseason. With You got Zach Wheeler. It'd be nice to have Nola. And I know you've heard me on this show talk about before how Nola has failed to show up at big moments at times but he's still a very good pitcher, a Cy Young caliber pitcher. Those are not easy to get in this league. But the price has to be right. If it is, in fact, over $30 million a year for seven years, I'm not sure the Phillies can do it. And I see Peter Doty saying, absolutely bring him back, but will he be too expensive? That's the question. 
I would love to see them bring Nola back. But if another team swoops in and makes him a ridiculous offer, you can't match it. You just can't match it. And the fact checker makes a good point in the chat saying what he's looking for and what he's going to get offered are two different things. But the fact checker, you know teams overpay for pitching in this league. It's not easy to find a star pitcher, and Aaron Nola is a star pitcher. We've seen what he could do. We see what he could do. So we'll see. You know, we'll see if, if Nola, he's definitely going to test the market. We talked about it earlier in the week. They made him the qualifying offer, which was anticipated. He'll reject it, which is anticipated. It just allows the Phillies to get some sort of compensation if he does, in fact, sign elsewhere. But we will see. We will see. Still a long offseason, a lot of moves to be made, but big news that Castellanos may be available. I would, I would not like to see them move Casti. I wouldn't. I, I'd like him to stay. But I see you guys in the chat. Eagles fan, welcome. It's okay that you're late, my brother. Good to see you. The Real Zeal asking for people to hit that like button. I appreciate it. Hit that like button if you can. When we get back from the break, we're going to switch gears a little bit. We talked about the Sixers. We talked about the Phillies. I want to switch gears to talk about our Philadelphia Eagles at the week nine spot and compare it to last year's team at this spot. And there's some stats that you may find real surprising. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be right back. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, Blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. 
Soga now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles What's up everybody? Welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. I see all my Power Hour crew in the chat. Love that you guys spend this hour with me. Go ahead and hit that like button for me if you haven't already. Help us reach more Philadelphia sports fans, because we talk all Philly sports on the Power Hour, but obviously a heavy lean on our Philadelphia Eagles, because if you guys know me, you know I also have the legal hands-to-the-face show, which is all Philadelphia Eagles. And if you're not already following me on Instagram, head on over to Instagram, at legal hands-to-the-face, give me a follow. We post daily Eagles content multiple times a day, usually. So give you guys a little quick hit videos about some interesting things, some interesting facts. So head on over, give me a follow. I know some of you already do, and I appreciate it. Also, make sure you're following me on Twitter, at Bill Calarulo. We're posting daily content there as well. So good to see everybody. It's a bye week, so a little bit different of a week. We get into this habit of every week preparing for the next opponent, taking a look at the numbers and the matchups. But the Philadelphia Eagles get a bye at a really good time you know you look back and I don't remember the exact stats I, I did the research in the offseason and looked and if you look at all your last Super Bowl winners most of them had a buy after week eight I believe so it's helpful to have that buy later on in the season than having it early so Eagles got a really good buy smack dab in the middle of the season here and it comes at a good time they need to regroup they need to get healthy, Jalen Hurts especially, but they also need to figure out what's going on with that defense and that secondary, and I think this will give them some time. Look, a lot of new pieces back there, a lot of new pieces. There's been injuries. You bring in Kevin Byard, Reed Blankenship's been in and out of the lineup. Bradley Roby was just brought in, so a lot of new pieces. Let's hope they can get that together, and I see Babs in the, in the chat saying, where's Farzee? I said it at the beginning of the show. Unfortunately, Farzee couldn't make it today. He had a prior engagement, so we're going to do Fridays with Farzee tomorrow. So if you're looking for Mark Farzetta, who's awesome, does a great job on the Farzee show every morning, and also my partner in crime on the Jacob Sports Eagles game day shows, but he will be with us tomorrow. So we just pushed him a day, so Farzee will be here tomorrow, but I'll let him know you were asking for him. I'll let you know you were asking for him. So we sit here now after nine games, and the Eagles go into their bye. And they had their bye a little bit earlier last season. So we're going to look at it after nine games. It was week 10 that they played nine games last year, and we're sitting here in week nine. They've played nine games this year. But it's crazy to me how similar some of these things are. But before we do, you just reminded me I saw in the chat – Nicobe Dean looks like he's going on IR with the dreaded Liz Frank sprain, which could potentially be season-ending for him. 
This isn't good news, guys. This is not good news. Now, I know if you look at just this season, I have been of the mindset, if you follow me here on Philly Sports Power Hour or my legal hands to the face, I didn't think Dean should have got his job back. I thought Nick Morrow was playing well enough that he should have continued to be the starting linebacker next to Zach Cunningham. But the Eagles were trying to mix him in. They were trying to do some sort of rotation. And look, Dean definitely had more upside when you look at Morrow over his career that if Dean could have grown into the linebacker we saw when he was at Georgia, there was a potential that he could have been better than Nick Morrow for sure. But that's potential. When you look at what was happening on the field, Nick Morrow was outplaying N'Kobe Dean. Was outplaying him. And I'm looking at some people in the chat that Dean going out is a blessing. Eagles fan, let him go this summer. I don't think that's going to happen. The blonde boy, Dean is not ready. I'm awake, feels bad for Dean. So... It looks like Dean's done for the year. This would be his second stint to the IR, so he's probably done. But I said it all offseason. If you follow me, I was posting videos on Instagram all offseason that I didn't like that the Philadelphia Eagles were putting everything on the Kobe Dean shoulders from that linebacker position. They let TJ Edwards walk. They let Kazir White walk. I was okay with them letting Kazir White walk. But I thought they should have brought back T.J. Edwards. I've been saying it all offseason. I thought T.J. Edwards was a lot better than people gave him credit for. So they let him walk. And they basically put it all on N'Kobe Dean, a second-year player who had played 30 snaps on defense in his career. And now we've seen him get hurt for the second time. And you've seen him not play that well when he has been in there. And Philly007 in the chat talking about Howie Roseman not valuing the linebacker position. He doesn't value the linebacker position. It's just the nature of how Howie Roseman builds teams. He values the defensive line, which I agree with. He does value his corners. I see you saying he doesn't value his corners. I think he definitely does. I mean, he paid James Bradbury. He brought back Darius Slay on a restructured deal. But I just think they should have brought back T.J. Edwards. And I see somebody in the chat. Sorry, you guys are – it was we fly far together, says T.J. Edwards was a captain in his opinion. And I agree. I mean, he wore the green dot. I think he played over 94% of the snaps last year, led the team in tackles, top 10 in the NFL in tackles. T.J. Edwards was a solid player. Would have really have liked to have seen them bring him back. But they didn't. They were hopeful that N'Kobe Dean was ready, and N'Kobe Dean was not ready. Physically, he wasn't ready, but more from a skill perspective, he was not ready, especially in the passing game. Dean was getting torched in the passing game. But Howie Roseman, although he did not value the linebacker position, I think got very lucky that Zach Cunningham was still available late in training camp, because Zach Cunningham has been a blessing for this defense. I know this defense has struggled, and we're going to look at the numbers, but Zach Cunningham has played extremely well 
at that linebacker position for a guy who was still available in training camp, who got here a couple of weeks before the season started, Zach Cunningham's been your best linebacker, and it's not even close on that defensive side of the ball. And it's not even close. So thankfully, Nick Morrow, they cut him, bring him back to the practice squad. Dean goes down. Morrow gets an opportunity. He's been playing okay. But thank goodness they have Zach Cunningham because he's playing really well from that linebacker position. So let's take a look at some of these numbers, though, guys, comparing them to last year. The crazy thing for me is we would all sit here and have to admit that through nine games last year, we felt like that offense was unstoppable. They had a dominant offense last year, right? We all thought it. But yet, we look at the offense this year, and people are saying, Brian Johnson has to be fired. There's still people, Brian Johnson, horrible offensive coordinator, play calling stinks, Jalen Hurts isn't the same guy. There's so many issues. And look, that's what we do. We analyze it. And I've told you guys that before. My job is to analyze it and critique and figure out ways that they can improve. But when we really take a step back and look at the offense, and what they're doing this year compared to what they did last year, and it's almost identical. It really is crazy, the similarities between both offenses. Last year's team, through nine games, was averaging a little over 30 points a game. So far, through nine games this season, the Eagles' offense is averaging 28 points per game. But this is the craziest thing. Through nine games last year, the Eagles' offense averaged 377 yards per game. So far this season through nine games, 377 yards per game. It's identical. That's crazy to me. 377 last year, 377 this year. Identical in the yards per game. Unbelievable. I'm not sure I've seen anybody else talking about that, but it's unbelievable how close these teams are. And that puts them at number three in the NFL so far this season with 377 per game. So I know we have our problems and our issues with Brian Johnson and his play calling. We got a top three offense in the NFL right now. Top three. Top two in points per game. Top three in yards per game. And I see Wine Niners Wine saying that Shane was better, but Johnson has a higher ceiling. Shane Steichen was a great play caller. A great play caller. And I've had my problems with some of the decisions that Brian Johnson has made. But if you follow me on Instagram, some of you have commented underneath about Brian Johnson needs to be fired. And I keep saying, even when I've questioned his calls, that he's going to continue to get better. He's going to continue to grow. And I see Ryan Krause. They're not worse than last year. There's just better teams than last year. We fly far together. Shane had a healthier Jalen. That's another interesting thing about Jalen. I want to talk about it in a second because everybody has their theories about how Jalen's not running as much and he's not doing as much. But I'm going to read you these stats, and I think you may be surprised as well. But let's stick with the Eagles' offense and comparing them. 
So although they both had 377 yards per game, they're doing it a little bit differently this year than last year. And not by much. Last year, they averaged 234 passing yards a game. This year, 247 passing yards per game. Pretty close. Last year, 143 rushing yards per game. This year, 130 rushing yards per game. It's real similar, guys. And again, these aren't overall numbers. This is through the first nine games last year and the first nine games this year. And Steve Blake, I agree, man. Steve Ike says, birds have a top-rated offense. They're scoring points. Why would you fire the OC? People are still asking for that, Steve. I'm still getting comments on my Instagram. People telling me, Brian Johnson needs to go. And I don't, I don't understand it. Look, has he made questionable decisions? Yes. But he's getting better. And look, one of the main problems we had with this team was the red zone. They've been pretty good over the last few weeks. They're getting better in the red zone. They are getting better in the red zone. They are now the 13th ranked red zone offense. They have been moving up every week. There was a point this season they were down in the 20s. Going into the Dallas game, I think they were ranked 18th. Now they're up to 13 after going three for three. So this offense is doing a lot of good things. Now there's one area on offense. That needs to be fixed. You look at last year's team through nine games, and the offense only turned the ball over seven times. Through nine games this year, 13 turnovers. They've almost doubled their turnovers. When you look at the numbers up and down on the offensive side of the ball, that is the one glaring difference between last year's offense and this year's offense. You need to protect the football better. And the Eagles got away with it. Other than that Jets game that they lost because of four turnovers, the Eagles are 8-1. and one. So even though they've turned the ball over a lot to start the season, they're 8-1. and one. So, and I see you guys in the chat saying people are idiots. It's a Philly thing. So, Brian Johnson and this offense are doing just fine. And I saw somebody in the chat talking about Jalen Hurts. And that's been the go-to for a lot of talking heads. A lot of people who do what I do. Well, Jalen Hurts isn't running the ball as much. That's the problem with everything. Jalen Hurts doesn't run the ball as much. Let's look at the numbers through nine games last year, and this is going to blow you guys away. Last year, through nine games, Jalen Hurts ran the ball. 94 times. This year, through nine games, Jalen Hurts has run the ball 88 times. You're talking about a difference of six carries. So everybody throwing up their arms. He's not running anywhere near as much as he did last year. You're talking about a difference of six carries over nine games. That's less than a carry difference a game. Now, if you want to talk about the type of runs, I would agree with you. They are not running as many RPO-type runs as they used to run. And I think that is, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Not only is Jalen not 100% healthy, but teams are also taking away the RPO. So they're not calling as many RPO runs as they did before. But Jalen Hurts, through nine games last year, 94 carries, 
354 yards rushing. Through nine games this year, 88 carries, 316 yards rushing. It's not that much different. Seven rushing touchdowns last year, seven rushing touchdowns this year. And you look at Jalen's numbers. Last year, 2,200 passing yards through nine games, 14 touchdowns. So far this year, 2,300 passing yards, 15 touchdowns. A lot of similarities, guys. A lot of similarities. But people forget, and everybody wants points to talk about, so they just throw out things. But when you look at the numbers through the first nine games, things are pretty damn similar. We talked about the turnovers. Jalen Hurts needs to clean up the turnovers as well. Only three interceptions through nine games last year, already with eight this season. Not all his fault. Not all his fault, but got to clean it up. What I found interesting was he actually had more fumbles through nine games last year than he did this year. He had five fumbles last year. He has four this year. The difference was he only lost one of them last year. They've lost three of them so far this season. The fact checker, the Los Angeles Rams game skewed the stats this year, the Lions game last year. There's always going to be games like that, fact checker. There's always going to be outlier games, and that's why when you look at a big picture, if we were only talking about two games, sometimes the stats and the averages don't work. But when you're looking at nine games, they're usually going to balance each other out. I'm a waker you. Hertz is becoming a better passer. Because of the injury, it's a blessing in disguise. Can't wait to see the final product. He's been really good from the pocket this year. Really good from the pocket. So there's some truth in that. Fact checker thinks that the rushing offense has suffered after Jurgens. That could be it. Opeta wasn't playing great. Tyler Steen had a rough day against the Cowboys. So that could be it, and we'll see what happens after the bye. But you know, if you follow me, my issues have been with the yards per carry by the running backs and trying to figure out what's going on with this running backs room. Why are they averaging so little per carry? And it could have a lot to do with Cam Jurgens, and hopefully we'll see him back after the bye. What else we got? <laughs> Clear-cut reason, fact checker says, is Jurgens, so we will see we got a few minutes left, guys, so let's talk a little bit about this defense because that's where there has been some differences between last year and this year through nine games. And mostly, it's the passing yards. It's the passing yards. But it kind of balances out because of how good their rushing defense has been this year. See, teams have made the decision this season. They know they can't run the ball against the Philadelphia Eagles. They're not even trying to run the ball against the Philadelphia Eagles. So what happens is they come out and they drop back and they throw the ball so much that the passing yards do get skewed a little bit. Because you look at this passing defense through nine games and they are the 29th ranked passing defense, giving up 257 yards per game. Puts them at 29. But if you go and look at the stats a little deeper, what are they averaging per passing attempt? And the Eagles are at 13th in the NFL. Not as bad as when you look at the total yards per game. It's because teams have given up on the run. They're throwing the ball so much. Yeah, they need to fix the secondary. Don't, 
don't take this the wrong way. They need to fix the secondary. They can't give up as many passing yards as they're giving up. But when you look at the overall numbers, last year through nine games, this defense was given up 300 yards a game. Through nine games this year, they're giving up 320 yards per game. It's pretty close. But last year, they were giving up over 120 rushing yards a game. That's been cut in half this year. Eagles have the best rushing defense in the NFL. They're averaging 66 yards a game. So they literally cut in half the amount of rushing yards that they were giving up. Because teams have realized we're not running against Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox and Milton Williams. So now they just drop back and throw it. And that's why you've seen that passing yard number shoot up. But when you look at the yards per passing attempt, it's not as bad. It's not as bad. And I see Davey Boy saying he thought it would be a wider gap. What I thought would be even more of a wider gap is the sacks. You look at last year's team, they set a record with 70 sacks. This one I thought was shocking. I actually had to go back and double check it. Through nine games last year, the Philadelphia Eagles defense had 29 sacks. Through nine games this season, the Philadelphia Eagles have 30 sacks. Does that shock anybody else? Because that shocked me that they actually have one more sack this season than they did at this point last season. Crazy to me. It's crazy to me. But the big glaring difference, again, on defense, very similar to offense. Offense last year, seven turnovers. This year, 13. You got the same problem on the defensive side of the ball. Through nine games last year, the Philadelphia Eagles had 20 takeaways on the defensive side of the ball. They only have 11 this year. They're still winning games, but that's usually not a formula to win games in the NFL. Last year through nine games, they were a plus 13 in the turnover department. This year, they're a minus two through nine games, and they're still winning. That's usually not a recipe to win a lot of games in the NFL, guys. So those are two areas. When I look at these numbers, those are two areas the Philadelphia Eagles need to improve when they go through this tough stretch of games coming up, and it's turnovers on offense and takeaways on defense. And they'll fix some of the other things, the passing defense, the rushing attack. But when you look at it, not that much different. I thought this was real surprising. I thought these numbers were really surprising. But guys, appreciate you all in the chat. I see you. A lot of, a lot of engagement today. I love it. I love it. Let's see. Philly 007. 2017 vibes all over again. Good rush defense, mediocre pass game. Ryan Krause, we need to rotate our corners more. All these passes are wearing them out. The fact checker, 29th in pass defense and 5th in sacks is correlated. Like Bill said, teams pass more against us, so cumulative stats will be higher. Exactly. They're running four rushers versus last year. They rushed five most of the time. Playing better teams this year, I agree with that. So, Peter Doty, I appreciate that saying I need a two-hour show. I see Jim G saying great show. I do really appreciate the compliments, guys. Trying to 
trying to make this the best hour for you guys. And like I said yesterday, this is our show. This is our show. So I love the engagement. Keep it coming. Keep the comments coming. I will try to read as many comments as possible. So definitely smash that like button for me. Hit that share button. Really appreciate it. But like we end every single day with a little today in sports history. So we're going all the way back to 1950. Not sure how many of you guys in the chat were alive in 1950. I know I wasn't. But going all the way back to November 9th, 1950, Eddie Sawyer was elected as manager of the year. Who knows who Eddie Sawyer is? So he is a former Phillies manager who was the manager of the famous Phillies team, the Wiz Kids. Anybody remember the Phillies Wiz Kids? So he was the manager of the Wiz Kids. He led them to two NLCS championships back then. But that was our fighting Phils back in the day called the Wiz Kids. Eddie Sawyer was their manager, and he was named the Major League Baseball Manager of the Year on November 9th, 1950. So pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff. Wine Niners Wine, a chat that isn't toxic, a great place to be. Well, hopefully it stays that way. Hopefully it stays that way, guys. But appreciate all of you. Tomorrow, we are going to be joined by Mark Farzetta. We'll do a little version of our Football Fridays. We don't have an Eagles game to prepare for. But it doesn't mean we don't have some things to watch because my plan on Sunday is to sit on the couch all damn day watching the red zone. I don't get that luxury like I used to. I have the benefit now of doing the game day shows for Jacob Sports, which is great, but I'm down at the Ocean Casino in the gallery with Seth Joyner and Farzee, Derek Gunn, Mike Missanelli, Kayla Santiago, who you saw yesterday. John McMullen always appears from the stadium, which is fun and it's great, but we're usually on the air before and after the game, so I don't get to enjoy the red zone like I used to. So my plan this weekend is I'm sitting on my ass all day on Sunday, watching the red zone for eight hours, as Scott Hansen likes to say. And there's a lot of games that could have an impact on this Eagles team. So I want to talk about those tomorrow as well. And Mark Farzetta will be joining the show. But guys, appreciate you all. I will see you all hopefully tomorrow at 10 o'clock. And like I said, if you want more Eagles content, head on over to Instagram and give at Legal Hands to the Face a follow. We're posting daily Eagles content for everybody. So hopefully I'll see you over there as well. Have a great day, a great night, and as always, go Birds. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.